Life is made up of experiences. Experiences shape our perspectives and allow us to pass along knowledge. In this podcast, I sit down with listeners like you and find out that no matter who you are, everyone has a story to tell. I'm Ethan Smith, and this is Life Experienced. I grew up most most of my life um, wanting to be an attorney and um, actually practiced pre-law in college. And as I began to have experiences, you know, doing the internships and and things like that, I realized I wanted to kind of go the attorney political route. And I realized I didn't want to do that because I didn't like the politics of it. Growing up, I wanted to be probably in entertainment first and also just in any type of creative field. But then I uh, found myself becoming um, better in sports, better and better, and I practiced and worked hard to try to reach a goal of like getting to the NFL. But I think for me that was probably a form of entertainment, even though I didn't realize it at the time. Robin and Kevin Jones, who you just heard there, began their career journeys a thousand miles apart. Robin in Florida and Kevin in Pennsylvania. They've accomplished much together since they met in the early 2000s, but their stories first began to converge when it came time for them to decide where to attend college. I am from West Palm Beach, Florida, so I'm a long way from home and a long way from the warm weather that I do so love. (laughs) Yes. Um, But what brought me to tech is a pamphlet in the mail, believe it or not. I had never heard of Virginia Tech. I have no family in the area. Um, didn't grow up watching it. I grew up watching, you know, the great powerhouses of FSU and University of Miami and all that. And so that was what was embedded in my mind. And I got a flyer in the mail one day that said, this is could be a great place for you. Um, and as I looked into it, I saw that it was a really great institution and I wanted to kind of go out of state and experience the season changes. And I came up here on a visit and fell in love and have seen the season changes um, um, number of times over now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's it's um, we we always say it's meant to be that we both ended up at Virginia Tech because Kevin has an interesting um, story about how he ended up here as well. So. Right. Do I? You do. I don't know. Your Wikipedia article <laughs> says that Frank there, Beamer you, came to visit you. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was interesting. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I ended up here on a football scholarship. Um, yeah, I was recruited by a lot of schools in the country and coming to Virginia Tech on a visit, I really um, enjoyed my time. I was here also here for a track meet and that's that was like my first time on campus. And then, um, you know, as Virginia Tech learned more about what I did in high school as a football player, they was knocking on my door. So I think uh, it was just an interesting, interesting time and being taking visits and meeting the coaching staff and, you know, indoor track, all the different things that I, you know, enjoyed doing. I, saw myself being able to do here at Virginia Tech, so that's kind of how I ended up here. After three successful seasons at Virginia Tech, Kevin chose to enter the 2004 National Football League draft, where he was selected as the 30th overall pick by the Detroit Lions. Robin remained at Virginia Tech to complete her degree, and it was during that year that she and Kevin would cross paths again. So did your paths cross at Virginia Tech? Is that how you yeah, met? Yeah, okay. for sure. Uh, he saw me, of course, and uh, couldn't resist. <laughs> and um, the rest is history. You didn't see me? <laughs> nope, nope, oh, okay. nope. You saw me when I called your name. I did. I saw you. <laughs> no, I think uh, 
we we always have a mix up and we're not exactly straight on okay. how this story we haven't agreed right. now in over 11 years <laughs> um i've agreed i've learned to just agree with her story yeah, yeah so Mary but yeah Fred. we met here we met here at virginia tech and we actually had a couple classes together as well but we never we weren't dating or um anything like that until i think i was a senior and you were your first year yeah it was my first year in um nfl um but I think Robin skipped over an important part. Uh-oh. Like Uh-oh. for me, <laughs> is that uh, you know, we were we were friends in college. Uh-huh. So um, there was somebody who I knew, admired, mm-hmm. and respected. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Uh huh. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I admired you and respected to, I you as well. The feeling you. was mutual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know when I um. We would go to the movies, we went to church a few times, mm-hmm. yeah. dinner, but never really like dated. Right. Um, which I think is, is especially in today's age, even back then it was like unusual to have somebody that you were attracted to and not really date though. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but it was cool. It was a cool friendship building thing. So that was like, a, that was a cool thing. But I left and went in the draft to the Lions and when I came back that first year after that first year I seen her at one of the games in the stands and we started talking again and exchanged numbers and that's how we started dating okay yeah. both Robin and Kevin were admitted into the class of 2005 and Robin still embracing her political aspirations launched a campaign for class president so what was it that motivated you to to run for the class, class president? president yeah oh my goodness um I had actually served in that role, you know, in high school before. I've always felt the desire to serve um, and to help push people to be their best selves. And this was just one way, another platform that I could do that. Um, It was certainly frightening in the moment because again, I was coming from Florida, had no friends here. that literally was my opportunity to make friends and that's what I did. I, I made connections and made friends and was just as surprised as anybody when I won, um, but it was exciting. I think the final motivator too was, I remember calling my dad one day and being like, I can't do this anymore. Like, What was I thinking that I could come up here and run for class president? And um, I'm just tired and this, is, this, is, this has been such a process. And I remember my dad saying to me, you know, you can do it, you know, giving you the, mm-hmm. the parent speech of, of you can do it and all that stuff. And he's like, and, you know, if you win, I'll, I'll get you a car. And I was like, you'll get me a car? Like, I was up here, no transportation, <laughs> right, anything. Right. Um, so I remember, like, when I called him, it was like an event going on that I wanted to go and, and, and talk to people about. And I wasn't going to go. I was unmotivated. Mm-hmm. As soon as I hung up that phone, I was gone. Right. The rest of my dad was like, all he remembers is me calling him being like, where's my car? Right. <laughs> so, um, but no, just the, the ability to serve. And uh, I think that's something that has been um, a part of my career, you know, even since then. So. So how does that process actually work? Is there, I, I mean, I assume people yeah, vote, but yeah, you know, yeah. I went to NC State for undergrad and I know how things went there, but yeah, how, does, how does that process sure. actually work? Um, well, you know, take yourself back in time. Sure. You know, internet was a thing and email was a thing. So but this we is using, early 2000s, This right? is this early is, 2000s. Yeah. So we're like using AIM, we're using, oh, you know, yeah. the AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> There's no, not really text messaging. I don't think, was there even text messaging? I'm not sure. Maybe very primitive, mm-hmm. like one line scrolls up right. on your phone at a time. Um, 
but basically you just have to go out and corral to get votes and there isn't really like a twitter Mm -hmm. or instagram to help you do that so it was really a lot of like face-to-face contact getting to know people you know one of the primary strategies i remember using is let me get your email address so i can reconnect with you and i don't even think I think listservs were very new at that mm-hmm. point. So I kind of made my own listserv and kind of said, hey, everybody, yeah. don't forget to vote. Um, so just uh, that's all it was, was just going out, getting to know people, making connection with them, talking about what you wanted to do to serve and then hoping that they voted. And actually, I remember this really cool or I thought he was a cool guy um, at the time, played football. I asked him, you know, would he mind holding up my poster or helping to corral votes at the time? And I think he told me no to my face. Uh, And so, you know, we won't talk about who that guy was, but let's just say I won without him holding up my poster. I I wasn't holding up no poster. (laughs) (laughs) But um, you... I'm not going to say you proved me wrong because it's not, it's not that I didn't... Maybe I, I don't know what I thought. I can't remember what I actually thought at the time, but... Uh, those same reasons is why like she's running this company today (laughs) (laughs) after graduating robin joined kevin in detroit where they would face the new challenge of life in the nfl more on that right after this Picture this. You're signing up for a new online service, and after providing your name and email address, you see a small checkbox beside the phrase, I agree to the terms of service. If you're like me, you probably don't stop to give the terms a second thought, but what if you did read them? What are you actually agreeing to, and how does it affect your life? In my new show, Terms and Conditions Apply, I dive into the nuances of these agreements, answering questions like, how does online advertising affect privacy policies? How are terms of service viewed under the law? And what online habits need to change in order to respond to these extremely long and cumbersome agreements? I'm Ethan Smith, and I hope you'll join me as I navigate the complicated landscape of online privacy and data collection, where you'll hear from computer programmers, law professors, an advertising executive, and more. You can listen to all five episodes of Terms and Conditions Apply today. Available now wherever you download podcasts or by visiting termsconditionsapply.com. Welcome back. Now living in Detroit, Robin and Kevin were confronted with how to manage Kevin's NFL career. Here's how they described that experience. So we'll talk about, I know when people think of NFL players, Mm -hmm. there's always a certain image that comes to mind. Most of the time it's these guys they see once a week on television Mm -hmm. playing football. You know, it's it's a really popular sport, but I I just want to ask, what is it actually like day to day when you play for an NFL team? Hmm. From your perspective, of course. (laughs) What is the day to day like? Yeah, uh, yeah. What is a, it's a grind. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's similar to um, I forget what the thing they show on uh, training camp. You know, the training camp show. Oh, yeah, they show. Like the, uh... It's similar to uh, it's, okay. So let me start over. Sure, <laughs> you get fine. up early, five thirty six a.m. Get to the studio. I mean, to the facilities around seven. Probably grab some breakfast. Um, you have a probably 8 a.m., 9 a.m. Uh, meeting. 
So whether that be a team meeting or a, a meeting, like individual meeting, you watch film and you talk about the, the upcoming team that you're coming to uh, play against. And then you go from there to probably a walkthrough practice. Um, it depends on that day, if it's a, if a walkthrough or a like weight room. So if, it, if it's walkthrough, it's, probably, it's not full speed, but it's not like actually, it's not like you're actually walking. You're still running the plays and doing all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's just not at, it's just not in pads and not full speed. And then you have weight room and then you have lunch and then you have practice. But this is like <laughs> the start of your week is like a, a Tuesday. Yeah, well, you come in. You still come in. Well, Monday, Tuesday's off. Tuesday's off. I'm sorry. Okay. A Wednesday. But you still come yeah. in because it's never really off. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Not true. As no I'm lies. Sure all out. lies. <laughs> you know when they say volunteer training camp <laughs> lies. No right. Try not showing up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, you you're you're basically always preparing, always having meetings, always working out, and always trying to like watch film and be better. Mm-hmm. So it's a constant. And that's constant. It's constant grind. And the longer you're in the NFL, the more that hurts daily. Right. <laughs> so um, you don't really – the family time comes normally at night, but you're tired. Mm-hmm. Um, you look forward to Tuesdays. Yeah. Even though you're not really off, you mm. can try to kind of plan sure. something on those days. Mm-hmm. Weekends are taken Weekends up by games, yeah. traveling games. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to a city to play. You hop on a plane right after the game and come right, come right back. Mm-hmm. So you never really experience the city. Um, so all the cities I've been to when I was playing, um, you come in the day before and you leave. So you saw the stadium. You yeah, literally I mean, saw them. you go to dinner, um, but okay. a lot of times, uh, if a lot of times the young guys don't really understand how to like do it the right Work way. The schedule, yeah, okay. yeah. because uh, you don't want to be late, so you just stay in the hotel, okay. <laughs> right? And make sure you're right. at that dinner and you just eat with the team. Versus like uh, veterans, they know how to get in, they know mm-hmm. their schedule, and they. You know, get to a really nice restaurant, meet meet up with a friend from that city, mm-hmm. and then, you know, come back to the hotel on time and all those type of things. So, yeah, but I would say it was, it was a good experience, but it also was definitely a constant grind. Yeah. How much interaction was there with the coaching staff? You interact with the coaching staff, yeah, pretty pretty much. I mean, all the time. Uh, that's like, like I said, you constantly have either a team meeting, an offensive right. meeting, or an individual <clears throat> meeting. So you're always interacting with the coach and the weight yeah. staff. And they're always in their offices. So right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times players, though, um, don't go upstairs because they just feel like it's administrative. And they, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I've always just like went upstairs. Not Kevin. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I just want to know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. You know, so. Um, Hence why I kind of, you know, before this job, I was assistant athletic director at Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that. Um, and I was in administration, so that was like a, a different side of it. So I kind of like that side as well. Right. Yeah. And so you, you talked a little bit about some of the struggles or, or nuances of right. being the family of someone who's having to stick to that schedule. Is mm-hmm. there anything else, anything else that you want to share about that? I mean, I think sometimes what and I know from even my girlfriends whose husbands play what they fail to leave out is the sore mornings you know getting out of the bed it's not just hopping out the bed it's Mm -hmm. like getting out the bed type Mm -hmm. thing and um you know when you get out the bed on Monday after Sunday game it's like you've been in a wreck Mm -hmm. because your body's really sore and you spend that day going to get rehab and treatment and all those things to try to get your body worked back up to be prepared for practice that week 
and you get through practice that week in order to be ready for game day on Sunday. Um, but I think a lot of times what the guys forget is about those aches and pains, mm-hmm. um, the the missed games for their kids or the missed recitals or the missed births mm-hmm. or the or the planned births you know right. a lot of us have gotten into planning those things mm-hmm. so that the husbands can be there and make sure it's on a tuesday when they're off um <laughs> so we've been we've been had to be strategic about that before um and not yeah exactly. sure. and not running out of practice i remember i had to run out of practice with our first kid yeah and get to the hospital because robin was in labor <laughs> so that was crazy so then we learned for the second one, I was like planning to induce on a Tuesday, but mm-hmm. she ended up coming, but we definitely were like planning to mm-hmm. induce on a Tuesday, which yeah. is not the best practice, but it <laughs> happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think those are a lot of the things that the guys forget because they're just in the grind and as the spouse or support the family, whoever that is, um, we just try our best to make sure they're focused and ready for game day because you know, if they're not focused, it'll show up on Sunday. Um, even small things, I wouldn't let him change light bulbs. I remember I wouldn't let him do anything. <laughs> I was like, your body is like your work vehicle. So you right. can't do anything that's going to jeopardize that vehicle. Yeah. So I will get somebody else to change that really high light bulb. I will get somebody else to look, to take the car to the shop or, you know, whatever those things are. So those little things that you kind of, um, that they kind of forget about. Mm-hmm. In September 2009, Kevin was injured during a preseason game, which would ultimately lead to his release the following spring. Kevin said the injuries helped signal the next season of his life. So was it was it the, the injuries that really made you consider doing something else, getting out of the NFL, or, or how was that? I would say it, w- it didn't make me consider something else as much. It was more so about um, sped up my time of pursuing the next thing because I was always thinking about what was next um, and always and even now even now I'm always just in the mode of like okay what is the future I'm a vision type person and then like figure out how to like get there mm-hmm. so the injuries sped up that process but the process was already going for yeah. me and always like constant I knew that I wanted to um, be an entrepreneur even when I was playing um, I also painted stuff, played instruments. So it was just always things that I know that I wanted to do. So, you know, after the second injury, it's like, okay, this may be more of a reality sooner mm-hmm. than I expected. Um, but that's kind of been like my life. <laughs> I can't, you know, I roll with those punches, things that um, I don't necessarily see happening. Sometimes they happen faster, even like the acquisition of Blue Mobius. Blue Mobius is a marketing company, one that you'll recognize from season one of this podcast. So after leaving the league, how did Kevin and Robin transition into a position where they could acquire a marketing company? Find out in our next episode where Robin and Kevin describe life post-NFL and their decision to return to Blacksburg. Life Experienced is hosted and produced by Ethan D. Smith and is primarily distributed via Anchor.fm. The show is also available via DSound, a decentralized audio sharing platform built on the Steam blockchain. For more information, visit dsound.audio. The music in this podcast is composed by Lee Rosevere and is used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. For more information, visit freemusicarchive.org. 
If you like the show, be sure to share it with others. Links to learn more about this episode, as well as more information on the podcast itself, may be found by visiting lifeexperienced.org. And for those of you still listening, Kevin was a top prospect when he played high school football. So when it came time for him to make the final decision on where he would attend college, he decided in the moment to add a bit of style to his decision. Here's how that happened. So I, I, I did, I did peruse your Wikipedia article. It's, it's interesting. Um, it, it credits you with being the first person to really use props to reveal where you're going to college. Yeah, let the record show, okay, that all of this prop things going on and the jersey things this yeah. is the originator here right uh it was so that was him doing entertainment right of Even course before yeah he, the entertainment he, value. exactly yeah, so funny. what what motivated that what gave you that idea i just wanted to have fun with it with my you know high school teammates because it was a press conference and everybody wanted to know what i was where i was going and i didn't really no, until I would like say the much last to, second. Much to Kevin, how he is now when we get anywhere and it's time to make a decision. He knows like in that moment. So it's probably yeah. a little bit of that too, right? Yeah, I would say um, I'm indecisive a lot of times. <laughs> um, but it's not really, I don't think it's really about, about uh, indecisive in a negative way. I think it's more of I want to be sure and mm-hmm. I have to sure. feel For like sure. it's right at the time. Yeah. And a lot of times I'm still weighing all the options down to the last second. And then I'm like, okay, this is what I think feels right. Um, in my spirit, so um, waiting for God to let me know <laughs> what what I should do. So I think that it was a great decision. But back to the signing day, um, I really didn't know up until probably five to ten minutes before I was going to make the decision and actually say it on on camera. And I had some coaches in the room and some of my uh, teammates and some family members. I mean, my dad had talked about it the night before. We we always made decisions together, but we never really said like, okay, this is the this is it. And being from Pennsylvania, you don't really leave state if you if Joe Pa turn, comes to your house, <laughs> right? So <laughs> those different those it was a lot of different pressures and reasons. Um, I also went to Catholic school from sixth through twelfth grade, and um, I felt an obligation to take a official visit to Notre Dame because a lot of alumni in my high school you know, uh, we're Notre Dame graduates. So uh, I had the pressure of Notre Dame, Penn State being an in-state kid, and then uh, I really liked Virginia Tech. So those different things, it was just like, well, what do you do? Do you go to Penn State and like help help them turn their program back around, you know, be a, you know, a state savior in football? Um, or do you like have loyalty to your you know, Catholic roots from 6th through 12th and go to Notre Dame. But it was all these different reasons why I could have went to each school. Um, but I had um, a blue sweater on because I, I wore uh, uniforms. And underneath of that sweater, I had on a Michael Vick jersey. And then I also had a, a duffel bag with a Penn State jersey in it. So I think because people thought that um, I may be going to Penn State, they seen my blue sweater and thought that it was like a Penn State sweater because it was a navy blue sweater. Right. And so I said, I will, and I pulled the jersey out, out of the bag, <laughs> not the, append- the attendance Penn State. Yeah. <laughs> and then I pulled my sweatshirt off and yeah. I was out going to Virginia Tech. And it, it was just like a gasp in the room, like, right. what, you're leaving, <laughs> like, you're leaving the state? Yeah. This is crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I've never been bound by walls or, or norms. Yeah. And um, I I didn't go to Virginia Tech because of that. It was just that I'm just going to go where I think I should be going. 
Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And once again, I'm Ethan Smith, reminding you to get out there and experience life.